The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. We're going to start with Mayor Don Iveson. There's been a lot of news to come out of City Council this week. There was that uh, contentious decision about the solar farm next to the EL water treatment plant in the River Valley. There was that survey asking Edmontonians their thoughts uh, on their support of Edmonton City Council. Also news that the mayor and city councillors were taking a, a pay freeze. And of course, we need to talk about the growing COVID numbers in the city of Edmonton. Mayor Iveson, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Jalen. All right, let's start with this. Let's take a look at these COVID numbers in, in the province, the COVID numbers numbers in Edmonton uh, in the province yesterday over 400 new cases we know Edmonton remains a, a hot spot those numbers keep going up how worried are you and and what is the talk about um, possibly more voluntary measures or uh, restrictions being put in place well at the beginning of this crisis uh, you know people were talking about this as just a, a disease that hits cities but now as time has progressed it's really showing that it can go into every nook and cranny of every different kind of community and so we see this now very much at the metropolitan scale here so uh, this is why it's so important uh, to have continued collaboration not just of the city but of uh, the counties around us and cities and towns uh, uh, at the zone level with um, Alberta Health Services and uh, Dr. Sikora who's our medical officer of health from uh, at this altitude here in the metropolitan region has been great and really accessible to council and really accessible to uh, the chief administrative officers the city managers that is of the different communities including ours um, because people are moving seamlessly back and forth between all of our jurisdictions for work for for pleasure um, and and so we need to take a consistent approach at a regional uh, scale and so I was really pleased that the measures albeit voluntary uh, and the communication around it was also at the metropolitan scale we need to think uh, in ways that honor these complex systems that people uh, live in, uh, in in our in our regional context. I've been saying this for years, but COVID is really uh, bringing this to the fore. So we're in this together with all Albertans, all Canadians, and really all human beings. But especially at the regional scale, we need to be extra diligent, observe all of the uh, the guidelines, which are still mandatory, uh, as well as the voluntary ones. And uh, and I think you know, Dr. Hinjaw said we're moving towards the trigger points. I think if there are additional measures again. That shouldn't be for the city and politicians to decide. It should be at the regional scale uh, uh, by the scientists and the experts. But uh, I think we are headed in that direction. It's very concerning, and the economy is so fragile that I do not want to uh, risk measures coming in uh, that uh, that will hurt it. So our businesses have been phenomenal uh, in in keeping people and their employees and and patrons safe. So the break the outbreaks are still mostly. Uh, from private gatherings where people aren't observing the rules and letting their guard down in private homes and 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 other gatherings, uh, weddings and things like that, and and we really need to double down on all the things that made us successful here at the beginning of the pandemic uh, to uh, to prevent a second wave, which would be just devastating uh, for our economy and the state that but it's in. The premier said today that any new uh, measures would be based on data that we have to continue to find a way to balance letting people live their lives 
lives um, and making sure that the economy isn't hurt any more than it has been, but uh, making sure that people um, keep in mind what we need to do to get that curve back down. We know, uh, Mayor, the pandemic has kicked the crap out of a lot of, of businesses in this community. Many have closed up. Others are struggling to stay alive. Um, it is Small Business Week in Canada. I know you're paying close attention to that. You've been visiting some of the small businesses uh, in the community. Do we need to be doing more for those businesses? Um, your thoughts on uh, on that as well. There was a new survey that was put out by the Edmonton Chamber of Commerce with some staggering numbers uh, about, uh, about the pandemic and, and how it impacted business in this community. Layoffs by 46% of the businesses, uh, permanent layoffs, 45% made temporary layoffs, 25% believe they will need to make more staff cuts within the next six months. I mean, it is still so fragile. So again, does the city need to be doing more? And what are you hearing? So clearly, these are the worst economic conditions we've seen in generations. And and that's concerning to to everyone, uh, including entrepreneurs who we're in contact with through the chamber and uh, the the business improvement areas and all of the other uh, folks who who we're in touch with and and one of the most important things that uh, Edmontonians continue to do uh, and and we really encourage this doubling down during Small Business Week and every week after is to shop local and support those mom and pop businesses in your community that you know employ your neighbors and their and their kids and uh, keep uh, jobs and prosperity and wealth in our city. Those I've talked to a lot of people who are really struggling and on the bubble. And so we're going to need to, uh, uh, while observing all of the, the requirements for, uh, for hygiene, um, support those businesses however we can right now. Uh, gift certificates, um, ordering out, um, you know, thinking twice before shopping online from, from uh, you know, international retailers when you can buy those things right here because all of us doing that might make the difference between uh, a business surviving and not. Um, but as to action that the city can take beyond that consumer support loyalty, um, we've worked very hard to bring the tax uh, increase to zero for 2020. Uh, all of the deferral programs that we offered as well as relief on both taxes and and, uh, and utility payments. And we're working hard to bring uh, the tax uh, um, adjustment next year also to zero again so that that burden is flat uh, for folks who, who are struggling in their ability to pay while not overly compromising the services, including essential and life-saving services that the city still needs to provide and have higher costs uh, to, to run because of PPE and, and other measures. So, so it's a very challenging time for for everyone, and we've uh, we've heard closely from the uh, uh, the chamber uh, about what those needs are. It's one of the reasons why we also launched our economic recovery grant uh, mm-hmm. with some dollars that we freed up uh, as part of restructuring economic development, more than five million dollars. And I met some of the businesses this week that have benefited from that grant, and they showed me what they've done to innovate, to pivot, or even just to buy PPE or market themselves differently to try to. Uh, to try to stay alive and afloat through this time. So the city's been there with those grants as well. We're trying to cut red tape, whether it's on patios or parking, uh, to make things as flexible as possible for people to do creative things outside. We're not perfect on that, but I've never seen the city move as quickly and as responsibly as as it has over the last six or seven months. We're going to need to keep that up going uh, going into the winter here. 
And as to the Chamber's uh, report, uh, really sobering numbers consistent mm-hmm. with what we've been hearing from them all the way along, um, but also really appreciate that we're really in lockstep uh, with the Chamber on a, a number of opportunities coming out of this. The uh, the importance of uh, expanding our expertise in energy efficiency and uh, high, high-performing buildings, uh, renewable energy systems, uh, being a part of the lower carbon uh, economy in the future. The Chamber uh, had some very thoughtful comments about that that align well with the city's thinking about economic opportunities through energy transition. Um, and also really appreciate the Chamber's support around our initiatives to end homelessness to deal with social disorder, which is bad for business on Main Street, but also driving phenomenal costs and pressure on health and justice systems, which drive costs for the province, which is looking for places to save money and and drive a certain amount of demand for policing where I'd rather see the police and the actual bad guys who are victimizing um, often through through drug uh, sales, vulnerable population and being well aligned with of these initiatives and taking that advocacy to particularly to Ottawa's as are being designed uh, to support business. Mayor, I have to say 10 weeks ago or eight weeks ago when you said you had a plan to end homelessness in 10 weeks, I thought uh, I thought you had uh, stars in your eyes. Uh, now we're eight weeks in and uh, what, uh, 10 days out from the end of the month and and it's happening. The the uh, Edmonton uh, Convention Centre, the plans to, to house our, our, our homeless um, uh, folks there through uh, the winter, through the end of March is coming together. Uh, what is the latest on that front? So the uh, the convention center will be up and running uh, later next week, and uh, along with the first of the hotels that we're bringing online to do bridge housing for people. Uh, uh, there's already a hotel doing bridge housing. Mm-hmm. I got an update yesterday that a couple dozen people have been housed out of uh, Camp Pekawewin already, uh, so we're actually actively housing people already. Uh, of course, the convention center will be open to take in uh, folks who are sleeping rough in the River Valley at any of the dozens of different camps that have traditionally operated down there, most of them out of sight and out of mind for Edmontonians, but we've long known they were there and long felt there was a better, more inclusive and more cost-effective solution to this. Um, and we're still working closely with the federal government to uh, to increase the resources they're putting in and accelerate some of what they're doing in the national housing strategy to deliver the the roofs and the and the beds that folks will graduate into from uh, the pandemic accommodation uh, at at the conference center as well as uh, uh, the shelter that uh, uh, mustard seed is opening up that we're working closely with them on uh, and and the work that hope continues to do so it's a sort of all of community all the agencies plus the city with all orders of government pulling together we're still working with the province on a few details for how to make all this uh, the the housing that people are going to graduate into work, um, uh, but uh, the federal government is really well aligned on this. I think the province is coming. I think I think we're making some good progress there, finding common ground with actually creating venues for some of their addictions treatment and recovery programs to be uh, more successful in community by by integrating them into the housing that we're talking about. So I think we're making good progress, but everyone who wants to come off the street is going to have a warm place to do it uh, by the end of this month. So we'll have kept that commitment and. 
And uh, I put a lot of pressure on folks to make that happen, but I've long believed it was the right thing to do. And and the pandemic just creates additional uh, urgency for us. And let's talk about the solar farm before we run out of time. Council approved that land zoning uh, change for that solar farm next to the water treatment plant in the city's River Valley. It was contentious. There was people, uh, you know, supporting it, people against it. Uh, and, and a lot of the folks who were against it, more concerned just about the fact uh, of the rezoning, not necessarily against solar, but against rezoning and what that possibly could mean um, about opening, you know, more doors to, to more development down the road. I did an interview with the uh, River Valley Conservation Association last week, and that's what they were concerned about. You voted in favor of this. It was a tight vote. Why do you support this? Well, I, I think we're behind on where we need to be on greenhouse gas reductions and the adoption of renewables. And this was a really innovative proposal, very particular to behind the fence and behind the grid and behind the electricity meter attached directly to essentially the pumps at the big water treatment plant, which are a very, very high electricity demand right now and, and will always be. Um, so now we're going to get uh, 100% clean electrons there and the lowest cost way to do that is on site versus is uh, going out into the grid so um, it's it's really going to be there for about a generation until the grid has more renewables on it so um, and and to my mind it's a low footprint um, imposition uh, on a farmer's field where the water treatment plant was built on land where the water treatment plant is is uh, expected to grow in over future generations so it's land held in reserve for a quasi-industrial public works use uh, that we're going to put some solar panels on. And and there's a lot of misinformation about there, a lot of speculation, a lot of concern that this leads to some precedent or change around the River Valley. And unless someone else has another piece of public works reserve land next to a public works uh, water treatment plant, and there isn't any other uh, situation like that that I'm aware of in the Valley, then the same case couldn't be made anywhere else. So the notion that this is going to throw open the doors to putting solar panels all up and down the River Valley is actually ridiculous misrepresentation of, of what is actually we actually call it a site-specific development control provision, which means we're only talking about this piece of land, and there's a lot of limitations and mitigations that come in. And this is not land that was parked. This this was behind a fence at this point. So it's not like we're putting solar panels uh, in Emily Murphy Park, uh, like some people have suggested. So there's a ton of misinformation out there, and I'm happy to have a chance to correct some of that and allay the fear that this is going to happen elsewhere in the River Valley. There was this recent poll uh, done by Leger actually came out earlier this week, uh, really gauging Edmontonians' thoughts on how council uh, has been doing. Uh, 38% of Edmontonians uh, thought that you and and, and the city councillors deserve to be re-elected. Uh, went on to say about 31% of respondents said council doesn't deserve to be re-elected next October, while another 31% remain on the fence. Your reaction to those numbers, um, does that is that a kick in the gut a little bit, or do you just take it with a grain of salt and continue to move forward? Not at all. These are actually numbers that provincial and federal governments would kill for because no other pollster uh, credibly reports the undecided as part of the negative. So 69% of people are are decided right now, and of them, 55%, if you take 38 over 69, so... 
um, to vote elect us. And so it's like the massive 54% general approval rating that was reported in the same poll. And mm-hmm. again, those are pretty consistent with historical numbers I've seen for Edmonton City Council. Uh, they're actually a little bit up from where the, the last similar poll that was reported in 2017. So those are fairly strong numbers. The emphasis is a little is would you vote for mayor and council? And I've talked to a lot of people who aren't happy with me, but like council, I talked to lots of people who are happy with me, but don't like their counselor. And so it's a pretty muddy question, which is going to drive up undecided. So frankly, I think the research was uh, not the best and the reporting on it torqued the reality of the situation. So uh, provincial and federal folks would kill for a 55% approval, and I think it speaks to the strong work council's been doing. Uh, the municipal election is about a year away. Are you going to run again? Well, I'm still collecting a couple of more data points to finalize my decision there, but I'll have more to say about that soon. Can I ask you what would make you run again or not? I'm not going to go there today. Like I said, there's, uh, there's just, I mean, I, th- I think what I will say about this is that I really think Edmontonians expect us to be focused on trying to get to that 0% tax increase, supporting small business, keeping the pandemic, and that our priority should be on non-honoring. Mayor Iveson, always good to talk with you. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Jalen.